0: As-salamu alaykum, you're listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that connects you with other sisters who share your story, experiences, and goals, so you no longer have to feel like the only one like you on your team. My name is Grace, and I get to interview the amazing women in our community, share their stories, and the lessons they learned. As-salamu alaykum. Today on Tech Sisters Stories, we are super excited to have Zara Al-Sahali, Zara is a current PhD student at Queen Mary University in London, and she's also a Google DeepMind PhD scholar. Zara is also an AI session lead at Udassi, and I'm so happy to have you on today.
1: Thank you so much, Grace, for having me here. It's my pleasure.
0: Alhamdulillah. So how did you first get into tech, Sarah?
1: So it's a weird starting. First, I did my bachelor in electrical engineering after some motivation to math and physics, And Mm -hmm. after graduation, it was a tough period. Lebanon was passing with no hiring and no jobs. So how everything started is honestly through Coursera. Yeah. So my bachelor was focusing mostly on power systems and control systems and radio frequency. And Mm -hmm. then I started building up my machine learning skills through Coursera. Honestly, through Stanford's machine learning course, and then deep learning specialization. And after that, I joined American University of Beirut as master's student, but now focusing on artificial intelligence.
0: Mashallah. So you are very academic, very driven, mashallah. And I love that we're using Coursera because that just makes these certifications accessible to everybody. And we've seen a lot of Texas Air members use Coursera in, in place a university degree. So I'm really happy to see that you're able to combine those.
1: My pleasure to start my journey there. So Coursera offered us very updated curriculum, just like Stanford machine learning courses and also for free. So during that time, we had a financial crisis in my country. So we were offered to apply for financial aid and took all the courses for free. And honestly, I built all the knowledge I didn't need to go into machine learning research through these online courses. And since my day one at the master's program, I started working on machine learning research, And the benefits for the master's are mostly just to enhance my research skills. But the knowledge at Coursera was really very sufficient to build a very strong and powerful machine learning engineer.
0: Mashallah, that's really great. I'm really happy to hear that. Let's talk a little bit about the crisis that Lebanon has been going through. So, of course, it's very, very difficult. We've talked to a couple of different people focused in AI in Beirut. What do you think is something that needs to happen to help more people in Lebanon be able to get jobs and to have sufficiency, especially in the tech
1: sector? So I think first um, supporting students and enhancing their technical skills. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the advantages of the COVID pandemic is opening the opportunity for remote working. So currently, although we're having a problem in working in the remote or tech sector as the Bani's with the countries, we have mm-hmm. the opportunity to work remotely abroad. So I think the most important thing is to build sufficient skills. And as I said, so either through Coursera, EdX, support support of the government. Uh, I know other countries are supporting their students, uh, for example, at Elacity through government-funded program. So I think having these steps in tech, there's the opportunity of working remotely. The second problem is, I think, uh, the electricity, which is really really affecting us as computer scientists or anyone that really needs electricity for his job. I think also getting some support uh, to... To students or to graduates, and solar panels or power banks for those who are not really able to afford this. The internet also is another problem, but I think with sufficient skills and just resolving the issue of electricity, or at least some companies understanding this problem, like at this from, let's say, two p.m. to six p.m., I really can't work. I have Hmm. cut off electricity, so I think uh, this also can help. Yeah, that's it.
0: Mashallah. I think the infrastructure, especially was what I was, um, was thinking of, that's one of the things that we heard from the other people we interviewed from Beirut. And we also were talking to Manara, who does programs across the MENA region and infrastructure is something that is just very difficult to deal with. So having enough electricity, um, supporting students with getting the laptops and hardware that they need to do their job, because it's, it's a lot of money, subhanAllah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And we were having it even at let's say my university, we didn't we sometimes had some even computational problem. Let's say we as machine learning engineers need the GPUs to train the models. We have issue really. And as you can see, if you just check the projects of machine learning researchers at the Monese Universities, they are restricted to some type of topics that can really work without GPUs, since we didn't have this. Uh Not since we don't like to go for projects that are interesting or difficult, but since we didn't have enough computational resources really to go through all these projects. So this was really another challenge and the university just responds that we really went into a crisis and GPUs are very expensive and we can't really fund you with these GPUs to go for your research. So now doing
0: your PhD at Queen Mary's, are you still, are you doing it remotely from Lebanon or have you relocated no. to London? No,
1: I'm just relocated to London. Like, you know, after all this problems, I think doing a PhD remotely is very, very hard. like with yes. a problem with electricity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <So>, uh,
0: <laughs> Mashallah. So how is the, the comparison between the two? Is it is a, a huge difference oh, between I- Queen Mary's and Beirut?
1: Uh, I think uh, they support, but I was just like about my previous university, which I really think here again was the lack mm-hmm. of discrimination. So and the one and mostly, we have discrimination against the female wearing hijab, or especially in the recruitment sector, but at least in my university, we were supported to the extreme. There was no discrimination at all. And the same here, so even, let's say, in the PhD, everyone is very nice and everyone is very supportive. I just had the, more the advantage of having powerful to to train everything I dream of. Did you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah. Oh, that's wonderful. Alhamdulillah. And what do you hope to do next after your PhD, Zara?
1: So after my PhD, I'm planning to become a machine learning research scientist Mm-hmm. And with the motivation to AI for good projects. So, actually, the most beautiful thing about AI that's really motivating me to do my research is the good motivation. So, working on AI for good projects, which I worked on a lot in my master's and now also in my PhD. And I'm planning also after becoming a research scientist to help improve the artificial intelligence field and direction helping in the good of humanity.
0: Oh, mashallah. Mayla, make that happen for you and enable you to do all those wonderful things, inshallah.
1: Thank you so much.
0: What was a machine learning project that you were really excited about? Something that was a really nice puzzle that you had to think a lot about. It was really challenging, but you're very happy with how it turned out. So
1: I'm talking about a project that was really not that difficult, but I'm really very proud of since mm. helping others at know it compared to other very sophisticated projects that I contributed to is the impact of my one of the projects related to agriculture so i really especially during the crisis that we're having you feel with the farmers you feel with the poor people yeah. you feel with everything and that project was basically to help farmers detect plant diseases pest and weeds for free and the thing that really excited us is that we tried i put mainly all my effort to make this model as much as accurate as possible just in the sake to really help farmers when deploying the project and saving their crops without since they're really not able to pay for agriculture engineers or agri-experts to save their fields so that's really one of the projects that really
0: means a lot to me and like you were saying before this is something that has a direct positive impact on people so yeah i can see that mashallah And were you successful in in your model? Was it able to predict what you wanted?
1: Yes. So it was very accurate. We also published it in the Frontiers and Plant Science. And now we're in the process of building the mobile app of the machine learning models. So to deploy them for farmers. And we tried our best to make it as much global as possible. So we collected all the public data sets over the whole world so that it really helps farmers from different countries. And this also have an impact on making the models more accurate and more generalizable.
0: Mashallah, that must be very satisfying to see your project go into something that is close to being a mobile app and, and having a big impact.
1: Yes, hopefully. And it's going to save a lot of small farmers.
0: So one criticism that often comes up with AI is the implicit bias that can happen when models are being built, which often happens when it's being built with non-diverse teams. So the AI or machine learning researchers are not coming from diverse backgrounds, and therefore the models have a bias that's implicitly built into it. Do you think that happens? How do you think that can be remedied? Have you seen something like that in your studies?
1: Um, yes, and we as minority, this project means a lot to us. So, mm-hmm. uh, before I work on bias mitigation and hate speech detection systems, uh, for different identities, whether related to religion or gender or origin of the of the tweet poster, since you know, let's say, for example, I'm just saying a tweet, and usually the model reported that I hate Syrians or Syrians are bad, and then. The special identity posts the tweet like, I am Syrian, and then the tweet is reported as hate speech by mistake. So currently till now, uh, It's it's very difficult to remove this bias at all, since, you know, the bias, as you said, is from different origins. So first we have the bias in the data, the data itself, since we are biased as humans, the bias in the data collection, the bias inside the model, the bias for us as AI engineers, but mitigation of the bias is is currently that the possible solution. Mm -hmm. We're having some algorithms that try to remove or reduce this bias, especially let's say for uh, manually adding these possible tweets that let's say are to be biased or let's say transfer learning, multitask learning. I'm very excited toward this direction or hopefully we can reach uh, an algorithm that really is able to remove bias and not only trying to reduce this bias. And let's say the bias was reduced by 20% or 30%. No, hopefully at one extent we can reach uh, a limit where really this bias is removed at all.
0: Inshallah, that'd be wonderful. And it's it's interesting hearing the different sources of bias and how deep it can go. I think a lot of people think that it's just something that you can clean up really easily, or it's something where you just have to pick the right data sets, but it is quite complicated.
1: Yeah, it's very complicated. It's very hard to remove, but many researchers, and thanks God, are dedicating their time to resolve this issue, and hopefully in the next upcoming years, we can reach a place where really this bias is removed. Inshallah, Inshallah.
0: Mm-hmm. And Zara, what's been your experience so far working as a Muslim woman in tech in this field?
1: So mostly I work in the research domain, mm-hmm. as in the field of computer vision in agriculture and AI for medical imaging, also in NLP on mitigating bias and hate speech systems. And finally, on pandemic forecasting and graph neural networks for pandemic forecasting. And by that, I also worked as a teaching assistant and instructor. So, in AI summer schools and also now at Audacity, I am supporting Amazon Scholars and AI journey. So, in the AI right. programming with Python Scholarship Program. And uh, expanding, so democratizing the education again. So as I received the, the education from Coursera for free, I was now supporting Amazon scholars to learn AI and pave their journey to help humanity.
0: Mashallah. That's wonderful. I'm really happy that you're able to pay it back like that. What what advice do you have for any students who are coming into your field?
1: First thing, never give up. Always learn. So this field is moving very fast. So always update your skills, let's say, every Mm -hmm. one or two weeks. And never let anything stop you from learning or acquiring skills. So we're having Coursera, we're having EDX, we're having all universities are publishing their courses on YouTube for free. So mm-hmm. if you don't have enough money, let's say, to join any graduate program or to these very expensive starting machine learning programs, just learn online and you're going to acquire the skills that lets you really pave the way and then don't let anything that you give up or stop you from learning.
0: what is something in your career or in general that you're most proud of so you've mentioned your project before for small-scale farmers is there something that's like really close and dear to your heart
1: yes so mostly that project is Mm -hmm. the one closer to my heart also the AI mitigating bias and finally Mm -hmm. the COVID pandemic projects I worked on multiple COVID pandemic forecasting projects just to also help uh, people so reducing the number of cases of COVID. So these forecasting algorithms had governments decide whether to close or open and really affected the spread of the disease and the lives. you know, basically before the vaccination, really yeah. the spread of the disease was also affecting lives. Mashallah, that's really important work.
0: What's something in your career journey that you regret or you might wish that you've done differently?
1: Basically, honestly, I'm thankful for everything, even the Things that were not that good in my journey or the the bad accidents or the, let's say, biased accidents that I faced before. So this made me more stronger. Uh, also supported me to decide on moving outside <laughs> and starting my PhD. So they were really strengthening my skills. So I think without these bad things, I never imagined working outside or pursuing my PhD abroad also they made me a stronger researcher so when you're having these bad incidents or accidents uh, these enhance your skills and help you become stronger.
0: And Zara, what's something or someone that you're most grateful for?
1: I'm most grateful for for Andrew for sharing his courses uh, (laughs) publicly. And also, I am very thankful for Professor Hassan Hajj from American University of you to help me in this way. So, when I was a power engineer, I just talked to him and he guided me to Coursera and how to start my machine learning journey and then how to enhance my research skills and finally in supporting me in the PhD application as a recommender. So, I'm also very grateful for him.
0: Oh, what a wonderful mentor. That's one- lovely. I'm <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: For anyone who is interested to join the machine learning research community, never let anything stop you from achieving your journey with all these rumors that you need a PhD degree or it's very tough to enter to the field without the graduate studies. I know a lot who really ended up doing very exciting work with only online courses. So don't let anything stop you from entering the field, whether a financial situation uh, whatever anything else, like in the morning we had no electricity, we had mm-hmm. uh, problems in the internet, but you see, we're just having this thing to join and, and, and enter the field. And hopefully with these challenges and struggles, you're going to excel and become a stronger researchers and then more opportunities are going to open for you, or maybe scholarships or jobs upward if the vacancies available at your country doesn't satisfy your ambition.
0: Oh, perfect. That's what a great sentiment to end on. Thank you so much, Sarah, for, for coming and for sharing your journey.
1: Thank you so much, Grace. And I'm also here always to help anyone who's interested to join the field.
0: Yes, definitely. So you're in our Slack channel. So anyone who is interested in, in machine learning, anything like this, they can reach you and talk to you through Slack. Sure.
1: Always help. Here's to help.
0: And as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. If you liked it and you like what we're doing at Tech Sisters, consider following us, leaving a review, sharing this episode with any friends, or even supporting us on Patreon. All of those really help us a lot. This is a completely nonprofit organization. We're just doing this for Sadaka. So anything that helps more Muslim women find us and discover us and hear the stories is immensely helpful. And if you are a Muslim woman in tech, please go ahead and check out our community. It is completely free and fun and very supportive. You can join by going to our website at tech-sisters.com and filling out the membership form, and you will get a link right away into our Slack. So it's really, really easy. And that is all for me, and I'll see you next week. As-salamu